Exactly 28 years ago today, literally 11th July, 1995, the largest massacre since World War II took place in Europe. The largest massacre on European soil took place. And all of you should be aware of this. It is something that is pertinent to us. It is relevant to our own history. Uh, and it is something that every single Muslim should be uh, very painfully aware of. I'm, of course, talking about the uh, Shurbanicha or the Bosnian massacre that took place uh, today, literally today. And today across the world, and especially in uh, Srebrenica where the graveyard is, they actually buried, I believe, a dozen people that were, whose bone fragments were found. Every year, they find more bone fragments in the uh, fields of that region. And so throughout every year, today on the 11th of July, they hold a special ceremony. Uh, the dignitaries, the presidents, they come and they give their respects. So today is that day, literally today, 11th of July, uh, 1995. And I've spoken last year about uh, the history of that. I'm not going to go into that today. But very briefly, um, all of you should be aware that the Ottoman Empire uh, conquered areas of Europe uh, back in the 14th century. We're talking about uh, Kosovo, we're talking about Albania, we're talking about Bosnia, we're talking about Herzegovina. These are like four provinces that from the 14-1500s, the Ottoman Empire uh, conquered them as a part of what was happening in those time frames. And as you're aware, wherever Islam goes, Alhamdulillah, it trickles down. There's never been a forced conversion in our history. Never has a Sultan come and put a sword to the throats of the people and say convert. But when there is when there is izzah and power, when the people see the reality of Islam, organically they begin to embrace it. And this is what happened in these regions. That's why to this day, the majority of Albania, the majority of Kosovo, the majority of Bosnia, and these are in the heartlands of Europe, right? To this day, the majority of these regions are actually Muslim. So from the 1500s, the Ottoman Empire had conquered these lands. And slowly, for the next 200 years, Islam began to spread until it's now a vast majority. In all of these regions, 70, 80, 90% of the people are Muslim. And Long story short, after World War I, when the uh, uh, republics of that region collapsed, they created this fragile state, uh, the state of Yugoslavia. For those of you in the 90s, you remember Yugoslavia. Where is Yugoslavia now? It's gone. So Yugoslavia was a patched up state that was composed of enemies, you know, Serbians, Muslims and whatnot. The Serbs held in their hearts a grudge against the Muslims for 500 years. The Serbs f held in their hearts anger that the Ottomans had come and they had taken our people and our lands. And so, long story short, uh, when there was a referendum for freedom, the Bosnian Muslims said we wanted freedom. They wanted to break away. They wanted their own independence. And the Serbs, even though they're the minority, they said no. The Serbs were in power. The Serbs had the military. The Serbs said no. And so when the Bosnians voted for freedom, the Serbs then attacked. Long story short, again, I, I went over this last year. You can find it online. Uh, today's khata is not about the history. It's about we're going to move on to something else. Uh, to make a long story short, when a civil war broke out, the UN got involved. And the UN sent in troops to monitor the situation to prevent a massacre. And the UN created an enclave in the city of uh, Srebrenica. And they said, in this area, we will protect the people, don't worry. And so mass migration took place, 1995 from February, March, up until July. Tens of thousands of Muslims fled across the country and they made their way to Srebrenica. This is now under UN territory. UN troops wearing the UN vests and the UN hats and there's color video footage, you can find it. They're protecting this city because the UN said we're not gonna allow for a massacre. So tens of thousands of Muslims uh, came. 
and uh, the Serbian military uh, gen uh, general Milosevic and others, they invaded uh, Srebrenica and they said to the UN, get out of our way. And the UN agreed. The UN did not intervene. The UN literally went and allowed Milosevic and the war criminals to then invade Srebrenica. And while the UN watched from the hills, this is the actually the Dutch government, there were Dutch forces, the Dutch government reprimanded their own military generals. Slap on the wrist, nobody went to jail, but they basically said, you know, you didn't do your job. But well, they didn't do their job and tens of thousands of people were killed. So uh, the UN basically said, okay, fine, you guys do whatever you want. And as they watched the United Nations, as the troops watched, uh, Milosevic and his troops invaded. Today, this is today, 11th of July, 1995, they surrounded the entire city. They rounded up tens of thousands of Muslims. And there's color video footage. It is uh, very traumatic to witness this footage. You have you know, fathers calling their sons. You come back and they promise us protection. You have all of these video footage circulating today in memory of this. And they began massacring. And they massacred roughly 8,500 uh, Muslim men. 8,500 today and uh, tens of thousands of women were raped there were rape camps Allah mustan it is what it is I'm I'm sorry to be blunt here people don't want to hear it you me not saying it is not going to change reality and you need to know this that this is happening and it happened in our lifetimes tens of thousands of our sisters you know concentration camps and whatnot and Allah mustan and there are children from that there are children there's a documentary about the children from that day because you know, obviously it's an awkward reality that their mothers are this, their fathers are that, and you know, so Allah Musta'an. So uh, this was the day that it happened and every single year it is commemorated and people come and, uh, uh, you know, give their respects and make dua. And these are all Muslims and they were killed because they, are, uh, they were Muslims. And I've spoken last year more about the history. Today I wanted to move on a little bit about theology, a little bit about a very difficult question to ask ourselves. And that is, how do we as Muslims understand how such evil can take place. Like, in the end of the day, these were evil people, the people who did the massacre. They hated Islam for 400 years. And the general literally said, this is well on record, he literally said, this is revenge for the Turks for invading us. 450 years and his heart is full of anger. Can you believe? And he said, to Milosevic said, today is the revenge of the Turks coming in. This is how much hatred they have. And it was a religious war through and through. The Serbian a version of Christianity. They have uh, their own Orthodox Church against uh, our Muslim brethren, the Bosnians. So the Serbs are uh, predominantly uh, Serbian Orthodox and the Bosnians are predominantly Muslim. Question arises, and this is a question that many of our youth struggle with, and also many of those who are outside of religion. They ask, why would a merciful God allow such a massacre to take place? It's so brutal. If you see the video footage, and I don't encourage any of you to do that, but I mean, on the other hand, if some of you do, it will really make you understand how evil people can be at the same time. They had our brothers, again, so many vivid stories. By the way, when I was in the University of Medina, I got accepted the same year, 1995. And um, uh, this is an anecdote here, subhanAllah. Uh, the, 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 the institution of Medina, because there was a massacre taking place, they had changed their policies and they had begun to accept any Bosnian who applied because that was their ticket to be saved from massacre. So when I was in Medina, I got accepted in 1995. When I was in Medina, every nationality had 
5, 10, 15 from the Western world. You know, us Americans, we were 9, 10 people. When I got accepted, there were 9 Americans. That's it, okay? None of them graduated from my Bachelor of Mustan. That was Those were different days. Bosnians, hundreds. And I didn't understand why at the time. Like, how come there's hundreds of Bosnians? And there's only 9 of us and 7 Canadians and 10 British. Why? How come these guys have, you know, that much? And then I was told... If these people were not accepted, they would be dead. It was a change in policy, humanitarian change in Islamic policy, to simply accept anybody who's applying so that that's their literally their ticket out. So we had, during my whole five years, we have hundreds of students from that uh, region, Kosovo, Albania, because, I mean, uh, there was, the massacre was in Bosnia, but we had uh, large percentages from them. In any case, short khatira today was it aqidah-based khatira in memory of what happened to our brothers and sisters in Bosnia. And that question is, how can we understand as Muslims? How can we rationalize? Even our youth ask us, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow 8,500 innocent people to be killed in one day by the hands of those who literally hate religion, hate the Quran, hate our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? What is the wisdom in all this? To respond to this, I wanted to summarize for you, this is actually the khatir I wanted to give, summarize for you a treatise that was written by one of the greatest scholars of Islam called Sultan al-Ulama. Who is the Sultan al-Ulama? Who can tell me? The, the Sultan of Ulama, who is he? Al-Iz ibn Abd salam He is called the leader of the Ulama for many reasons. Maybe one day we'll give a longer talk about him. And he wrote uh, an entire treatise, a little treatise, is called Al-Fitan Wal-Balaya Wal-Mihan Wal-Razaya. In other words, the wisdom of trials and tribulations and sufferings and pain. He wrote an entire booklet. An entire booklet. It's not a massive book. It's a little booklet. But it's a booklet about why is there pain in this world? How do we understand suffering? And he goes over many points. I want to summarize maybe 10 of them, inshallah, in the time that we have. So these are wisdoms from his book, but I'm doing it in memory of our brothers and sisters and to allow us to understand and appreciate some of why there is pain in this world and what is the wisdom of this suffering. Number one, Al-Iz ibn Abd salam says, it is through pain, through trial, through tribulation that we are constantly reminded that there is a Rabb who is all-powerful. It is when we get out of our comfort zone, when life is difficult, that we are reminded that we are not in control. There is a Rabb who is Al-Qahar, who is Al-Jabbar. And that Rabb has wisdoms we might never understand. Even the angels wondered, Oh Allah, why would you create a creation? This creation will be causing bloodshed. This creation will be causing evil. Why would you do this? And Allah replied, Inni a'lamu ma la ta'lamun. I know things you will never know. I understand what you will not understand. So even the angels questioned the wisdom of bloodshed, the wisdom of massacres, the wisdom of torture. Literally, the question of the angels, why would you create a species that's going to be killing one another? And this is the killing that took place. And the angels are asking, what's the wisdom? No other species goes to civil war the way man does for the sake of power, for the sake of lines of a national nationalism for the sake of, 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 of you know, their own ideas and whatnot. No animal kingdom goes to war like human beings do. So the angels asked, 
and Allah said, I am the Rabb, you'll never understand. The second wisdom, so the first primary wisdom is to demonstrate we are not rubs. We are not all powerful. When COVID happened, the first khutbah I gave when the masjid was empty. When COVID happened, the khutbah, I'll never forget it. I give it to an empty masjid. I said, where is now the power that we thought we had as a Western civilization? Where is that, that, that sense of, of, of arrogance that we control? We go to the moon and come back. One virus comes and the entire world shuts down. If this does not teach us humility, if this does not teach us of the existence of a rub, then what is going to teach us? So this is number one wisdom. Number two wisdom is to understand our own status as being the abd of that rub. So once we recognize Allah is a rub, automatically this should create in us humility. We are the abd. And with that abd status comes servitude. And servitude is the essence of Islam. What is Islam other than submission to Allah other than submitting so via trials via tribulations we find ourselves humbling we find ourselves trembling in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala our khushu' comes at times of calamities our takabbur is broken at times of calamities and that is wisdom in that number three that when we suffer calamities it increases our ikhlas to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah says in the quran when the ship is about to drown all of a sudden they are making ikhlas dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the child is sick when the bankruptcy happens when the disaster occurs instantaneously ikhlas goes from zero to 100 and that is a wisdom and a benefit ikhlas is the essence of why allah created us i only created man and jinn to worship me so via trials and tribulations ikhlas comes out number four that one of the benefits of pain one of the benefits of trials is that during trials during pain our ibadah increases and when it increases then we are increasing our purpose of worship and especially the ibadah of dua allah says in the quran when calamity befalls mankind he starts making dua standing sitting and lying down when calamity befalls mankind all of a sudden dua is made 24 7. And this is a wisdom because when you make dua, this is why Allah created us. Allah created us to worship Him. And so via that pain, some benefit comes of that dua. The next point that uh, uh, Ibn Abdulaziz mentions is that through calamities and through suffering, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings about circumstances in which we are forced to demonstrate sabr and patience. And sabr is the essence of iman. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran that those that are patient at times of difficulty, at times of drought, and at times of war. Those that are patient when life gets tough, when there's droughts and calamities, and when there's war and bloodshed. So during times of difficulty, sabr is manifested. And Allah says, I will give the people of sabr their reward without any counting. And all of this, by the way, goes back to 
one of the wisdoms of trials and tribulations is to prepare us for the hereafter and to have a better hereafter. The next point that he mentions, another three or four points, inshallah, then we'll call it a day. Again, there's much more to be mentioned. The next point that, that Ibn Abdul Salam mentions is that during times of difficulty, during times of stress, during times of calamities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses evil to bring about the good from those who have good in their hearts. During times of evil, good people stand up to change that. And Allah loves the good, He doesn't love the evil. So how will you show good when there is no evil to fight against? How will you be generous when there's no poor people? How will you sponsor orphans when there are no orphans to sponsor? How will you defend the innocent when there are no innocent to be defended? So Allah does not love the evil, but Allah loves the good that is generated because of the evil. The good that is generated to fight against the evil. And in that we raise our ranks and the righteous get the rewards from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another benefit that he mentions, I think point number six now, another benefit that he mentions is that through calamities, Allah forgives our own sins so that on the day of judgment, we will enter Jannah bi ghayri hisab. Through trials in this world, Allah chooses some people to raise to the highest of the high. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, no calamity happens to you except it's because of your own sins. And because of it, Allah forgives a lot of your evil deeds. So it is possible through combating evil, through the pain, anxiety, stress, grief, through the trials and tribulations, a person will go through one trial after another until he is cleansed of all sin and he will meet Allah absolutely pure. And as soon as the Malakul Maut comes, Jannah for those is given to him because he underwent calamities. And in fact, what is the status of a shaheed except exactly this? He's given the ultimate sacrifice. And may Allah accept the shahada of all 8,500 of our brothers on that day. They've given the ultimate sacrifice, so they get the ultimate reward. The last two, three points that he mentions, he says that via calamity, via tragedy, that is how we can appreciate Allah's blessings on us. We only appreciate a blessing when we don't have it. So when we study civil war, when we see massacre, when we see the evil that happens in these times of war, we can thank Allah, alhamdulillah, we have freedom. When we see pain, we thank Allah, we don't have that. When we are experiencing hunger, then when we don't have hunger, we appreciate, alhamdulillah, I don't have hunger. So by witnessing evil, it makes us more humble and appreciative of the good that we have. And that is a blessing that, again, will only come because we are so callous. We don't even recognize a good until it's taken away from us. We don't appreciate a blessing until we no longer have it. So when we see people, even maybe ourselves suffering, it helps us when we are not suffering to appreciate those uh, blessings. And the final point that we'll mention is that uh, through trials and calamities, Ibn Abdul Aziz mentions, through trials and calamities, sometimes repercussions happen even in this world that would not have happened except through those trials and calamities. And he gives the story of Musa and Khidr, the three instances. And he meant, for example, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. When it happened, the Sahaba thought this is a tragedy. 
When it happened, the Sahaba thought this is a calamity. We are being turned away from Mecca. And, you know, it's a tragedy. And Allah says, this is a victory. So, It's possible you don't like something and it is good for you. It's possible you don't like something, it is good for you. So Allah knows what might happen. And every one of us who has gone through a personal tragedy, if you look back, you will recognize yourselves, I came out of it a better person. I learned something or something changed in my life or I had to take a left or right from my course of my life and now I'm in a better place because of that calamity. When that calamity happened, you're wondering why is it happening? What's the wisdom? But the repercussions of that calamity are better for you even in this world. And perhaps, perhaps when you look at that land, and again, this is not a justification in the end of the day, Allah Azza wa Jal is in charge. But when you look at that land, our brothers in that region, our sisters in that region, because of the politics, because of the Yugoslavian dictatorship, because of the communist regime, they had almost forgotten their Islamic identity. There was really, there was no salah, no Jumu'ah taking place. They were Muslim by and large by name. Frankly, I remember those of you that were old enough, you know this. In 1994-95 when the news began to spread, we were all shocked. There, there are Muslims in Europe? These are like, you know, they look European, Caucasian, blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, where are these Muslims coming from? We'd never heard of them. We'd never heard of Bosnia, never heard of Albania and Kosovo, never heard that these are all Muslim lands. And one of the reasons why we never heard is that because of their communist regime since World War I, they were not allowed to practice Islam freely. They, were, they didn't have the you know, mainstream Islam. They were cut off from much of the world because of the Ottoman Empire's collapse and everything. So by and large, there was no ilm, no halaqat, no durus, no activity, no activism. Now if you go, subhanallah, masajid are packed, ufal, how many of us here, alhamdulillah, we know our Bosnian brothers and sisters. How many Bosnians in the audience? How many Bosnians here? Any Bosnians here? Usually masjids in North America always have Bosnians in them. So we have one in the back over there. So we have Bosnians everywhere, alhamdulillah, right? And mashallah, they're active. There's a Bosnian masjid here in Dallas as well. Subhanallah, how did this happen? It was a result of the awakening. Again, it's not a justification. Awakening of what happens when this tragedy takes place. After this, du'at began to come. Islam began to become vitalized. These people who thought that, you know, their religion is going to be okay under the nation state. It didn't matter that they, they are the same skin color, they're the same ethnicity. It didn't matter. Their religion was persecuted. And because of this, they had took pride in their religion. They rediscovered their religion and they learned their religion. And now, how many ulama from Bosnia? How many qurra from Bosnia? The masajid, alhamdulillah, are packed for Jumu'ah. Islam is on the rise in that region. And without a doubt, that is a blessing. And the final point that Al-Izz mentions, I mean, I'm going to mention, he mentions a longer list. The final point he says, through trials and tribulations, a person achieves the rida of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the pleasure of Allah. When you are patient and when you conduct yourself in accordance with how Allah wants you to do, Allah is pleased with you. And when Allah is pleased with you, it is more precious than Jannah itself. As Allah says in the Quran, Allah talks about Jannah, then Allah says, وَرِضْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرٌ And Allah's rida is bigger than Jannah. Al-Izz ibn Abd salam says, the only way to achieve Allah's rida is by pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and acting in accordance with his sharia. And that is only going to be manifested in times of difficulty, in times of stress, in times of tribulation. So when you pass 
the stress of this dunya, you will achieve the rida of Allah. And when you achieve the rida of Allah, it is worth everything. Because when Allah is pleased with you, well then, you have won everything that needs to be won. These are some wisdoms that, uh, that Al-Iz mentions. And we conclude by making special dua for our brothers and sisters who died today and throughout the civil war in Bosnia. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept the shuhada amongst them. May Allah azza wa jal grant sabr to those who have vivid memories of that. May Allah grant patience to our sisters who had to go through what they had to go through. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive all of them and guide them. And may Allah bless them to be more righteous. And may Allah protect us and all of the Muslims from having to undergo such a calamity. إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ وَالصَّادِقِينَ وَالصَّادِقَاتِ وَالصَّابِرِينَ وَالصَّابِرَاتِ وَالْخَاشِعِينَ وَالْخَاشِعَاتِ والخاشعين والخاشعات والمتصدقين والمتصدقات والصائمين والصائمات والحافظين فروجهم والحافظات والذاكرين الله كثيرا والذاكرات أعد الله لهم مغفرة وأجرا عظيما